Acts chapter 1, and as you're turning there, I love a good miracle story, so I'm going to share one with you. I've made it a habit to share Jesus' stuff every week um, because God keeps doing things. And so uh, you might find this as a minor miracle. I'm going to say it's a big miracle. And um, if you've ever seen the Charlie Brown special, The Great Pumpkin, and Charlie Brown is where his little brother's waiting for The Great Pumpkin, I'm proclaiming that Jesus is The Great Pumpkin, and I'm going to tell you why here in a second. So our kids currently are over on their side. They're having a fall party over there. Um, and so they're playing some games. They've got some crafts for them. And then they're also painting pumpkins. And what was funny about that is two of our kids' volunteers, Ryan and Amber, they had went yesterday morning to go and buy supplies to have this party for our kids over there. And they had gone to several stores and pumpkins were just gone. I don't know if you've noticed this year at stores, but they started putting Christmas decorations and Christmas decor out extremely early, which I'm fine with, but you can't find anything for the fall season anymore. They checked all these stores and then Ryan's phone buzzed and it was an employee from his work that said, hey, I just found this mailbox, this North Pole Santa mailbox. Would you like me to buy this for work? We can use it for letters for Santa this year. And he said, yeah, absolutely. He said, by the way, are you at Lowe's right now? And the lady said, well, yeah, I am. And she said, he said, can you go and check to see if Lowe's has any pumpkins? We can't find pumpkins anywhere for a thing at church. She said, yeah, absolutely. And so she walks over into the garden center and there's an employee who's loading pumpkins onto one of those little flatbed trolley deals. We needed 25 pumpkins, by the way. That was the magic number. And the employee walked, or the lady walked over to the employee and said, hey, I'm looking for pumpkins. Are those for sale? And she said, absolutely. She said, how many do you need? And the lady said, I need 25. And the employee's like, well, guess what? That's how many I have, which I think is pretty cool. Then the lady says this, um, just take them. I was going to throw these away anyway, so just take them for whatever they're for for your church event, and I'm not going to charge you a penny for them. Just take them directly to your car. Here's why that's cool, because we got like $250 worth of pumpkins for your kids today to paint and decorate um, for their fall party, and they were free. Now, you're like, who cares? That's a miracle, all right? That's a miracle. You see, Jesus does gigantic miracles, and Jesus also provides $250 worth of pumpkins for a church to be able to have a fall party for their children. Both are miracles, and when we learn to celebrate both of those, we see how big our Jesus is all the time, all right? If you have a copy of God's Word, Acts 1-8, and if you're still sitting there, I don't think that's a miracle. <laughs> Sorry who I just spit on. Hey, stand with me in honor of reading God's word. We are closing out ghost stories today. I'm so pumped. I'm so excited about this message, and I, I hope you are too. One verse that we're going to look at, maybe one you're familiar with, Acts 1, verse 8. And God's word says this from the mouth of Jesus, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. God, we're privileged to gather in the house of the Lord. As the psalmist said, that I, I was glad when they told me, let's go to the house of the Lord. And Father, I pray this morning that we would be here with eager anticipation. God, we've, we've sang songs to you, giving you the worship that only you deserve. And Lord, now as we learn from your word, God, would you teach us, grow us, mold us, and shape us into the likeness of Jesus? That's why we are here, because we want to know you more, and we want to grow into a deeper relationship and understanding of Jesus Christ. Give us ears to hear, Father, hearts to receive your word, and hands to, and feet, not just to hear your words, but to do something with it this week. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated.
We're talking about this idea of empowerment in the spirit. And immediately when I wrote that word, those words down, I thought back to when I was roughly 12 years old. I'm sure some of us have memories of those days maybe going to a sleepover in some capacity, staying at a friend's house. And when you're 12, you think that you need zero sleep. So when you did a sleep, had a sleepover, what did you do? You didn't sleep. And I can remember when I was approximately 12 years old, staying next door at my next door neighbor house, neighbor's house, Danny. It was about two or three in the morning. We were getting tired, but we still had some night left in us. And so we needed a little bit of energy. And it was at that point in time, 12 years old, that I, for the first time ever, was exposed to what I believe to be the two greatest liquids to ever hit store shelves in all of America. Mountain Dew? Amen. And y'all remember Surge? Praise God, right? And I can remember at 12 years old, and I'm sure you have similar memories, that we believed that if you drank those two soft drinks, or for you Southern folks, you drink pop, you drink those two soft drinks, that somehow whatever was in them would give you some sort of like power almost, didn't it? When you were 12 and you drank a Mountain Dew or a Surge, you felt invincible in that moment. You all of a sudden had all of this energy that you didn't have in the moment. I mean, the moment it hits your lips, you're like, I'm wide awake. Nothing can stop me. You're climbing on the walls. You're seeing sound. Like everything about you just immediately changes. Now, think about this for a second. You say, Aaron, why the random story? Why hopefully the fond memory for some of us? Because when I think about the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, which is where our, our topic is going to take us today, that's where my mind runs. That sometimes when we take this idea of empowerment, and especially when we say empowerment by the Spirit, as a Christian, you can be empowered by the Spirit of God, that sometimes we might mystify it a little bit. That sometimes we take that idea, and, and maybe I, I told Pastor Joe this morning, um, another place my mind ran was the movie Aladdin. And do you remember at the movie Aladdin when Jafar got the power from the genie? Like he was empowered by the genie and he gets real big and he turns into a genie. He's like, absolute power. And we take these ideas and we plug them into what we understand the scriptures to be. And we think, okay, wait a second. If that's what empowerment in the spirit is, maybe that's something reserved for super Christians. There's been some Christians that are empowered by the Spirit to do these crazy supernatural things, but I'm just a normal person who lives in Columbus, Ohio. Like, that's not me. Well, I want to show us from the Scriptures today how simple empowerment by the Spirit is and how it's available to every single one of us every day at all times. If you're a definition person, write this down. What is the Holy Spirit's empowerment? It's the supernatural equipping of the individual to walk out the will of God. The supernatural equipping of the individual to walk out the will of God. We're gonna look at two kind of important things today. Here's where we're going. We're gonna first, I wanna show you how the Spirit empowers you for your daily life. How every day at all moments and times, you have the ability to be empowered by the Spirit of God and what that means. And then to close out, we're just gonna take a minute or two and I wanna show you how that functioned in the Old Testament. Remember, that's the point of this series. We want to see how the Spirit operates in the New Testament, where we live, this side of the cross. But also, how did he function in the Old Testament? How was it similar at times? How was it slightly different in the way that he functioned? So first question, if you're a note taker, is this. How does the Spirit empower us? How does the Spirit of God empower you? How does the Spirit of God empower me? This side of the cross, this side of the Bible, how does he empower us? 
to walk out the will of God. Now, this is not going to be exhaustive by any stretch of the imagination, but I hope this clarifies a few things for you. We talked a few weeks ago that you and I are dead in our sin. That was the, the second week of this series. The Bible says in Romans chapter 6 that apart from, from God, we are absolutely, totally depraved, completely dead in our sins. And one of the first things that the Spirit of God does in your life and my life is illuminates my heart to the reality that I'm separated from God. Because dead things don't bring themselves back to life and dead things don't resurrect themselves. We talked about that. We need the Spirit of God to do that in us. So once the Spirit illuminates my heart, gives me the faith to believe in Jesus, the Bible says that then the Spirit of God, we talked last week, now indwells inside of me. Let me show you a verse here we looked at last week, Romans 8, verse 9. It says, you are not in the flesh, but you're in the spirit. Paul's talking to Christians here. He's talking to you and he's talking to me. Now look at this next part. If indeed the spirit of God lives in you, it's the evidence that you're not of the flesh, that you're of the spirit. So if you're a Christian, a Jesus follower, the spirit of God is in you. You went from an enemy of God to a friend of God, an enemy to a child. Then what happens? Not only are you indwelt by the spirit, but you're sealed by the spirit. What does that mean for us? It means that the Spirit of God now assures and secures your salvation until you see Jesus face to face. The Spirit of God testifies to you on a repeated basis that you are a child of God and nothing can take that away from you. Can I assure you of that today? That if you've actually repented of your sin and put your faith in Jesus, no one can take that away from you. You are sealed and secured by the Spirit of God. Let me show you another verse here. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30. Don't grieve God's Holy Spirit because you were sealed by Him. I like to think of that like the, the Tupperware container. Name just like, oh, actually, this is a better illustration. Um, you all remember the brown country crock containers that Grandma used to put leftovers in? And Grandma would put leftovers in it and then she would seal it and you'd show up to her house six months later and you'd open it and it was like the food was still good, miraculously. Like nothing could harm the food in the country crock container. The Spirit of God is the country crock container. He sealed you. Your salvation is secure. No one can take it from you. It doesn't happen that way. So now we're indwelt by the Spirit of God. We're sealed by the Spirit of God. Then also as a Jesus follower, you're empowered by the Spirit of God. You're empowered by the Spirit of God to serve Jesus and walk out the will of God with every breath that you have. But here's the distinction from the Old and New Testament. This side of the cross, if you are empowered by the Spirit of God, we need to make sure we understand this, that the Spirit of God is given to all Christians universally and permanently. In the Old Testament, the Spirit of God was not universal and permanent. It was specific and momentary. This side of the cross, we live in a different reality of what walking with the Spirit looks like. So how or what does He empower us to do? If the Spirit of God is in me and sealed me and empowers me, what does he want me to do with it? Like, what does he empower me for? Let me give you three things. Again, not exhaustive, but I think these are helpful for us today. First is this, the spirit of God empowers you to walk in obedience to God. That is so simple. Yet I think for me and you, let's be honest, that's life-changing. We, we have been empowered by the spirit of God to walk in absolute obedience to God if we want to, if we want to. Let me show you this, Galatians chapter five. Paul says, I say, walk by the spirit and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. Verse 17, but the flesh desires what is against the spirit and the spirit desires what is against the flesh. And they're opposed to each other so that you don't do what you want. 
Now, let me clarify this real quick. Um, one of the biggest lies that's being perpetuated in some Christian circles, not all today, is that when you follow Jesus, immediately your life is going to be perfect. Like you're just going to have it all together. You're forgiven. Life's perfect. Things are wonderful. Greek word for that. Y'all know it. What is it? Baloney. <laughs> that's not true. That's not what Paul is, is telling us here. No, no, no. What he's saying is that as a Christian, that we now live in a constant tension. We live in this constant tension of uh, walking in obedience, yet being pulled by our flesh towards disobedience, where my flesh wants to pull me one direction, but my, the Spirit of God in me wants to pull me towards the will of God. And I have to make the decision as a Jesus follower, moment by moment, day by day, will I follow the flesh or will I follow the Spirit of God within me? It's this constant oppositional pull that we have to address. We're learning day by day to walk in obedience to God. But here's a question. And I, this, this whole week, I just kept asking myself all these continued questions as I was studying these scriptures. How do I know what the Spirit of God is telling me to do? If I'm supposed to be obedient to what the Spirit of God is telling me to do, how do I know what he's telling me to do? How do I know where the Spirit of God is directing me? Here's an important one. How do I differentiate between my own personal thoughts and what the Spirit of God is telling me to do? This is not mystical, okay? How do I do it? This is going to be so simple, you're going to get angry. The Word of God. The way that you and I learn to differentiate between our own thoughts and what the Spirit of God is calling and directing us to do is simply found in the Word of God. How do I know that? The number one way, the number one way, the number one way that God speaks to his people is right here. This is how God will speak to you and me. I can remember somebody saying years ago, I've shared this before, I want God to speak to me. The person said, read your Bible. But I wish he'd, he'd speak out loud. The person said, then read it out loud. That's how God speaks to his people, is through the word of God. 2 Timothy 3.16, Paul wrote to Timothy as he was pastoring that church. He said, man, the word of God is, is breathed out by the spirit of God. And it's profitable for rebuking, correcting, and teaching, and training in righteousness. Everything that you need to know about the will of God is found in the Word of God. So as you and I are intentionally, consistently, and frequently ingesting the Word of God through the reading of the Word and the listening of the Word, we're meditating on the Word, marinating on what God has said, memorizing the Word of God, that will be the very thing that the Spirit of God uses to remind you the will of God. We have to hide the word of God in our hearts and in our minds so that we know what the will of God is in those moments when we need it. Jesus talks to this, John 14, 26. I love this verse. Jesus says, the Holy Spirit's gonna come who the Father will send in my name. So Jesus is looking to the here and now in which you and I exist. And what will the Holy Spirit do? He'll teach you all things through the word of God. And then what's he gonna do? He'll remind you of those things, everything I've told you. As we, again, marinate, meditate, read, and memorize the Word of God, it's the very thing that the Spirit of God will use to guide and direct us. I can't tell you how many times that I've been praying, maybe one morning after I've done my, my quiet time, and I'm wrestling with the Lord in prayer about a certain situation, and immediately a scripture will come to mind. That's the Spirit of God communicating with me on what I need to do and where He's directing me. Aaron, how do you know that's not your own thoughts? Let me tell you something. You ready for this? My flesh would never remind me of God's word. Paul says that in Galatians 5. 
My flesh is opposed to the word of God. The spirit of God is the one who reminds me of God's word. Yeah, but I just feel like God is telling me to do this. Does the word of God confirm it? Does the word of God tell you that? And does it make you fall more in love with the Jesus that's in the word of God? If no, God didn't tell you to do that. We've so mysticized hearing the Spirit of God to some, but I feel this. Maybe I feel like God is saying this to me. Stop it. What does the Word of God say? That's what He wants us to do. That's how the Spirit empowers us to walk in obedience. Number two, the Spirit of God empowers you to live evangelistically. This is amazing to me because the Spirit of God, for some reason, left you and I here on planet Earth the moment that you got saved. You ever thought about this? I got saved when I was 15 years old, July 3rd, 2003, almost eight, a little over 18 years ago. And the moment that I bowed my knee there in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, <clears throat> right when I got saved and I bowed my knee, I said, Jesus, you are Lord, I'm a sinner. I put my faith in you. You know, in that moment that God didn't just go and suck me right up into heaven, he could have, but he didn't. He could have just said, there he goes, <laughs> Cool be amazing. I think a lot of more people would probably get saved really fast. Man, if somebody comes to the altar after church today, they're praying. There they go. Man, we'd all run down here. I want to go too. But what does he do? He leaves us here. For what purpose? To tell anybody and everybody that Jesus can save anybody. He, he leaves us on this earth to share the faith that we've, we've experienced, to share the Jesus that we know, to tell one more person about our Lord. That's the mission that we have. But that mission is empowered by the Spirit. Look at Acts 1.8 again. Jesus says, you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you. He's talking to these apostles that, that shortly I'm going to ascend to heaven, Jesus says. And when I leave, the Spirit will come and dwell inside of you. But he doesn't just dwell inside of you so you can sit there and be like, this is really cool. The Spirit of God does not dwell inside of us so we can sit around and be like, I got him, do you? That's not what he does. What's he do? So that you can go be my witnesses. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, ends of the earth, anywhere and everybody, everywhere, to tell anybody and everybody that Jesus saves. What does a witness do? You see, if you've ever been a witness to an accident, when I was 18 years old, I got in an accident, had to go before a judge and testify this accident that I was a part of. You're a witness on the stand. What do you do? You tell what you've experienced to somebody who wasn't there experiencing it. What do we do as Christians, as witnesses? This is when Jesus saved me and changed my life. And I'm here to tell you about what happened to me so it can happen to you too. That's what a witness is called to do. But I love this. The witnessing is not empowered by us. 1 Thessalonians 1.5, Paul's writing to the church in Thessalonica. And what does he say? Our gospel did not come to you in word only. It's not just our words that we're speaking. Rather, it comes in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full assurance. Paul says, if it was just my words, they would be feeble but because the Spirit of God enables my words and empowers my words when I share the gospel with you, it becomes the life-changing message of Jesus. Jesus uses my feeble words and he transforms lives. This past Thursday, we did some Finding Hope Center deliveries. And we went to this home and we walked in and the family was from India. And one thing that we try to often do when people are from different cultures, um, ethnic groups, or religions is that we want to learn. It's part of what we do as the Finding Hope Centers. We want to learn what they believe and why they believe it. And right on the wall, right when you walked in the door, there was this picture of a man who was from India. And I noticed that in that picture, he was wearing some pretty common Hindu um, um, outer attire. And then he also had, I'm sure you've seen this before, the small red dot that was in the middle of his forehead. 
But I noticed the gentleman at this house also had that very same thing. He had this little red dot on his forehead and then kind of a U shape underneath it. And so I started talking to him, Pastor Joe, a couple of ladies that were with us, just building a relationship. And I told him, I said, I feel comfortable enough asking you this. Um, that, that symbol on your forehead, what does that mean? Side note, most people from other religious groups actually want you to be curious about what they believe and why they believe it. Gospel opportunities in the making. I said, well, what does that mean? He said, oh, I'm glad you asked. And he said, this is actually symbolic of what we believe as Hindus, that, that God, you ready for this? God can take up residence in our hearts. Like, God, are you setting me up? I said, really? Like, what does that mean? And he, he explained this a little bit more and about how, you know, you do these certain works and prayer and good works and all of these things, and these, these are what help God take up residence in your heart. I'm thinking to myself, okay, here we go. And the, the wife comes over, and she's explaining this a little bit more, and, and she said, would you like to see our God? Again, they worship different than we do. I said, absolutely. And she said, well, take off your shoes. And we went behind this little door and they had this little setup here and there was a golden cow that was on top of this table and some lights and some different um, religious literature. And they explained that a little bit more, but kept, they kept emphasizing that, that phrase, this is how God takes up residence in our, our hearts. And I finally, I just asked them, I believe I started with, well, what do you all think about Jesus? I said, well, we believe Jesus is holy. I said, that's interesting. I said, we actually believe Jesus is God. And just as you believe that, that there's a God that can take up residence in your hearts, can I, can I tell you what Christians believe? And I said that, that actually our hearts are depraved and separated from God. But because of what Jesus has done for us on that cross, our hearts and relationship with God can be restored. I said, and then Jesus himself takes up residence in our lives. That's what we believe as Christians. It's what's known as the gospel. Now listen, I don't, I'm not, that's not, a, oh, Aaron, share the gospel this week, brother. None of that. Here's why I share that. That terrifies me. Like when it comes to witnessing, like if there was a scale of how good people are, like I'm at the bottom and then three stages down into the dirt. Like it scares me to death. But when you and I step out in obedience and we see opportunities to share our faith, on the authority of God's word, you know what we see here in the scriptures? That the spirit of God will empower you to do that that he will give you the words to do that. He'll bring to recollection the things that you need to say. He'll give you the words to speak the gospel truth into the lives of men and women. If you and I are willing to step out in obedience and say, Spirit, please empower me for this moment. The scriptures teach very clearly. He wants to empower us to evangelism. Number three here, and then we're gonna move on to the Old Testament quickly. The Spirit empowers you and I to serve others from your spiritual gifts. So we're the mouthpiece of the gospel through the spirit to those who don't know Jesus. But man, this is so important. We're also the hands and feet of Jesus to those in our church family. We're the mouthpiece to those who do not know the Lord yet, but we are the hands and feet of Jesus to those in our church family. The scriptures teach, we could read about this throughout the New Testament letters, that the moment that you give your life to Jesus Christ, that you're awakened to the fact that you're dead in sin and you need a savior, that when the spirit of God indwells you, that he also gifts you which, with, with what's known as spiritual gifts. The ability to serve, teach, encourage. The ability to have discernment. The ability to be generous, to show mercy, to help people. The list goes on. But every one of those gifts is done in the context of a local church. Let me show you this. 1 Peter 4.10. Peter says, just as each one of us has received a gift, that's the spiritual gift you possess if you're a Jesus followers. Use it to serve other people, to serve others as good stewards of the varied grace of God. 
Friends, this is so important here. This is why we emphasize on a regular basis the gathering and dispersion of the local church. This is why it's so important for you to not only gather in worship, but to serve in some capacity, to engage in this church family and body. Why? Because the Spirit of God has given you a spiritual gift that he then empowers you to use in the context of a local church to serve other people. Now, I think of my friend Mark, who you see typically at the front door. I can tell you beyond a shadow of a doubt, his spiritual gift is encouragement. You spend two minutes with Mark, you leave with a smile and thinking you're awesome. That's just the way it works. That is a supernatural gift from Jesus that's been given to him that he exercises in the context of the local church. I think of my friend Jameson. Many of you know Jameson. Jameson possesses, beyond a shadow of a doubt, the spiritual gift of helps, of helping. Every week, for years, Jameson comes up to me. Every Sunday, he asks me the same question every week. What do you need? How can I help you? Every week. Why? Because it's a supernatural thing that overflows from him that he uses in the context of the local church. I think of Pastor Joe's mom, Jenny. Jenny clearly, beyond a shadow of a doubt, has the spiritual gift of teaching. If we went up to Jenny today after church and said, Jenny, you can't teach anymore. She'd burn the place down. I guarantee it. That's who she is. It overflows from her. She has this deep desire and passion that's empowered by the Spirit of God where she says, I have to teach the Bible to kids. There's nothing else I can do because the Spirit of God has empowered me to do this. If you're a Christian, the Spirit of God has given you a gift that is empowered by Him to serve other people. Let's go ahead and address the elephant in the room. The local church is not for you. I'm going to go ahead and say it. The local church is not for you. Too often what we think is, well, I have to go to church to get fed. Yes, that's part of the role and function of the pastor is to preach the word of God, to give to the people of God, right? The sheep have to show up to get fed, by the way. I've never said, I've never thought of a shepherd before where the the sheep are like, I want to feed over here. The shepherd's like, no, here's where the field is. Come and eat, weirdo. (laughs) No more. I'm not coming over there. This is when I feed you. So either come and get fed or don't. Not my problem. I'm going to come and feed you. P.S. We're here every week at 1015 to feed the sheep. If you want to get fed and you want the word of God poured in your life, show up. Say, well, what about Monday? We do a podcast every day for this church. You want to get fed by the word of God? Tune into it. The shepherds are feeding the sheep, but let's make sure the sheep are showing up to get fed. Get off that soapbox. Second to that, the local church is not for you and it's not for me. The Spirit of God equips us with spiritual gifts for one purpose, to serve the person next to me. That's why he gives it to me. My spiritual gift, nowhere in the scriptures will you ever find a spiritual gift that is for the individual and to whom it was given. It's always for someone else. That's why it's so important. And Paul said, or Peter says that right here, that the the spirit was given, the, the gift was given to serve others. So if we don't show up to the gathering of the local church, if we don't participate in the life of the dispersion of the church throughout the week, then we have not enabled the Spirit of God to allow us to serve other people in the context of our local church family. We got to show up. We got to show up in the dispersion and we have to serve one another. It's never about the individual. It's never about me. It's about me serving you. And so if my arm, let's just imagine, then I'm done with this part. Imagine today I came to church and my right leg said, you know what? I'm not going. I'm not going. I'm not coming today. Do you know how hard that would be for the rest of my body? 
If I woke up this morning, I woke up this morning, God's honest truth, two o'clock in the morning. I was totally blind in my left eye. Still don't know why, by the way, but it's better now. Two o'clock in the morning. Do you know how hard it is for my body to walk around at 2 a.m. with one eye that doesn't work? And I'm not used to that. I was stumbling around, walking into walls. It was a mess because part of my body didn't show up. The local church is the gathering of all parts of the body where we show up to work together, to serve together, to love one another in the context of this, to be empowered by the spirit of God for one another, never for the individual. All right, I'm done with that. Okay, let's keep going. What about the Old Testament? How did the spirit empower people in the Old Testament? It's a little bit different in function. And I just want to, we're going to take three minutes and I want to show you this to you real quick because I really wanted to focus on the New Testament side of things. I think that's more important. Remember, New Testament, the indwelling is universal to all believers and it's permanent. Old Testament, the indwelling is for certain tasks and assignments and it's temporary. It wasn't for everybody. Actually, if you were indwelled by the spirit before the cross, you were an anomaly. This was not something common, but here's a few things as to why the Spirit empowered people in the Old Testament. First was this. The Spirit empowered individuals for certain tasks regarding the tabernacle and the temple. It was the place of worship of God. It was important. In the eyes of God, this was the most important thing. It's where he was going to be worshiped by the nation of Israel. So those individuals who were tasked with building the tabernacle and the temple would often be filled with the Spirit of God because this was such an important task. Let me show you. Exodus 31, the Lord spoke to Moses and I've appointed by name Bezalel, son of Uri, son of Hur, the tribe of Judah, verse three. And I filled him with God's spirit, with wisdom, understanding, and ability in every craft. Why? Because he was gonna be one of the architects of the tabernacle. Number, number two there, the spirit of God empowered certain leaders of Israel. We could look at the story of Moses, Joshua, Saul, but one of the most famous ones here is King David. When King David came out of the field and he was anointed the next king over Israel by Samuel. Look at what the word of God says, 1 Samuel 16, verse 13. So Samuel took the horn of oil, anointed David in the presence of his brothers. And then what happened? The spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David from that day forward. Anointed for a task to be king by God. Number three, the Spirit of God empowered the prophets of God. Again, these were the voices of God on, on planet earth before we had the completed scriptures. So these were the men that God used to speak truth into Israel. But look at 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 21. No prophecy ever came by the will of man. Instead, men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Spirit. That's where we're going to leave that. Old Testament, temporary and selective by the Spirit of God. You and I, this side of the cross, we have the Spirit of God universally and permanently if we are followers of Jesus, equipping us moment by moment, day by day, to walk out the will of God. So let me give you a couple application points and we're done. First, what, what, just some quick applications that hopefully will help you as you walk this week. First, if you want to walk in obedience to God this week, empowered by the Spirit, Get in the word of God. That's the application. Get in the word of God. In his sovereignty, the author of the universe said, this is how I'm going to speak to my people through a book. Well, I don't like to read. Take it up with him, not me. God chose a book to communicate with his people. If we want to know the will of God, we have to get in the word of God. Here's why it's important. If we do not know the word of God, it's impossible to hear the spirit of God. You can't because he communicates through his word. So read on it, meditate on it, marinate on it, 
Pray on it. Journal it. Memorize it. Make the word part of your life. Second, second application. Stop letting evangelism intimidate you. You see, part of being empowered by the Spirit of God is trusting Him with this critical part of the Christian life. Friends, the statistics never change. Less than 1% of Christians will ever lead somebody else to a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. That means from the moment that you started following Jesus to the moment that you take your last breath, less than one out of 100 individuals will ever lead somebody else to know Jesus Christ as their Lord. Let me just encourage you today on the authority of God's word. Do not depend on your own strength in that area. Take the step of faith and watch what the Spirit of God will do in you and through you to share the hope of Jesus with someone else. Let him empower you to do what he's called you to do. And here's the last application. Love the church. Love the local church. Let me go ahead and tell you, we're not perfect. Amen. Who said that? We're not. Daggone it, this is a pretty awesome local church. I'd give myself for this place. I'd give myself for these people. We need to love what God has called together these last four years. Passionately love this place so much. And why do we do that? Because the Bible says we need each other. That the Spirit of God has an intention for the reason that he brought you to be part of this church, to this local body. That he's equipped you in some capacity to serve the person sitting next to you. Don't disconnect yourself from the life of a local church prioritize the local church because it doesn't just it doesn't just affect us it doesn't just affect me individually when we don't prioritize the gathering of the body it hurts the body because you don't know who needed that word of encouragement from you sunday you don't know who may have needed your help that week you don't know who needs that word of wisdom that you're able to give them from your own personal relationship with god supernaturally acting from the overflow of your relationship with God. We need each other. Last question. Are you certain you know Jesus? Because every time we talk about the Spirit of God, we always have to ask that question because if we don't know Jesus as Lord, the Spirit of God does not reside in us and everything we've talked about is invalid for you. Because what's the bad news is that we're sinners. What's the worst news? There's nothing we can do about it. What's the good news? Jesus died in your place to secure the eternity with God you couldn't on your own. What's the best news? It's available to you today. Let me pray for us. Father, thanks for your word. And God, I pray that you would use it to equip and empower your church. God, would you help us to walk in obedience this week, to walk in the area of evangelism. God, to exercise our gifts in the context of the church, knowing that your word tells us so clearly that you will empower us to do that very thing. So God, I pray that you would use these scriptures today to continue to develop each one of us into the likeness of Jesus. We love you so much, Lord. It's in your name we pray these things. Amen.